Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is Radio Influence. The future is now. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Happy Friday morning, everybody. It is episode number eight of Duffified Live. With uh, a, a, a pretty, you know, every week I say, oh, my God, I had a crazy week. I can't believe what's been happening. I can't believe what's been going on. But I'm going to tell you what. I had a crazy fucking week. Completely crazy. Through uh, heading out to Vegas, I left for Vegas Saturday morning last week, which is why there was no show last week. I apologize for that. I apologize. And I apologize for the cough and the fact that I'm breathing heavy right now. I was just outside doing some work, realized I had to come in and finish up a couple things. So uh, uh, let's do a really quick kind of recap of my week in Vegas. So I flew out Saturday. Um, I got to, uh, whenever I go out to Vegas, I would stay at the Vidara. It's one of my favorite hotels. Um, It's not a casino. It is a non-smoking hotel as well, so it is. Um, it's super awesome to get out there. The rooms are are big and bright and beautiful, and I actually ended up getting a uh, a really nice um, upgrade from my buddy uh, Glenn. So Glenn, thank you very much for my upgrade out there into a really nice suite. Uh, that was awesome. Every time I get out there, you guys really take care of me. So, so. I land at McCarran Airport after just a great flight. I got a bunch, a boatload of work. I've got to a point now that really what I want to do is, is I try to get as much work done on the plane as possible. There, there's no internet. I, I don't subscribe to internet when I get on the plane. Um, I try, I get off my phone. Um, I get a lot of work done. I get a boatload done, whether it be writing or um, just kind of tasking, goal setting, whatever it is that I can get done. It's one of the things that I, I really try to do. Um, and then at the end of my flight, uh, you know, as I start to land, I turn my phone on, I go through, I start to delete some pictures and text messages. And, and one of the cool parts about that is as I, as I start to go through and take a look at some of the text messages, uh, I end up with uh, sent, replying to a whole bunch of people that I either didn't reply to in the, in the last couple of weeks or that I might have missed out on. You know, they might have sent a text, hey, I'm in town or I'll meet you in Vegas or whatever. So I, I try to get as much uh, of, of that stuff kind of done. And it's, it's kind of a fun little thing. I don't know if you guys ever do it, but to go back through your text messages and to read some of that stuff. But that's kind of my end of flight routine when I fly out there. So especially if I have a long flight, I get so much work done. It's just awesome. So, so anyway, so I land, I get my Uber, uh, my Uber hops, uh, up right in front of the airport. I hop in the back of the car, super easy, no problem. Uh, really nice guy communicating on the way over to the hotel, uh, we get to the hotel and I go right in. I walk right up to the little concierge line and, and I have a conversation with the, the woman, the girl named Emily, super sweet, always very nice, little dry. Vegas is a little dry when it comes to the hospitality and for being such a huge hospitality city, uh, the employees are very dry and maybe it's because it is Sin City. Maybe it's because, you know, what happens here stays here, that sort of stuff, but it's almost like they're a never ending bouncer. Um, while you're out there. So it's kind of funny to watch because I check in and I'm a dry sense of humor guy. I make stupid little jokes. You know, my daughter's name's Emily, your name's Emily. Like, you know, I try to find a little connection between us as we're doing that check-in part. But for some reason, when I checked in, it wasn't. Emily was really dry. She was very nice. She was cute. She, she did a great job. So I get upstairs into my room 
And I, and the first thing I do when I get into my room, I grab my suitcase, I throw it on the case thing, I open it up and I put all my stuff everywhere. Oddly enough, I'm a little bit organized when I travel in my suitcase. I've got these traveling blocks that I use that I bought on e-bags. Um, and they're red because I leave everything in red. If you ever notice some of the stuff that I have with me, it's usually red because that way I don't lose it and I travel as much as I do. So I get into the hotel. I empty out my suitcase. I put my dob kit with all my shaving stuff and my toothpaste and everything in the in the bathroom. I take out all my little uh, my, my little oils that I use that I travel to keep me super healthy. Um, I take my stuff out of my suitcase. I lay it out. I take my hats. I travel sometimes with 10 hats. For like a five-day trip, I travel with like 10 hats. I lay them out because before I leave, I like to take a look over and see which one I want to wear. I usually end up wearing the same two or three when I go out on these trips, but but I have my hats with me. So I lay them out on the window. I check out the whole scene. I check my email. Stupid stuff. Then I go to leave. I go downstairs. I order my Uber. It says it's three minutes away. So I walk down the front step or walk down into the lobby. I walk past the bar, I walk past Starbucks, I walk past the little uh, you know restaurant that they have there and I walk out front and I said, hey, I'm waiting for my Uber. I looked down at my Uber, it's now eight minutes away. So we went from like three minutes to an eight minute. I looked down at my Uber again, now it's 20 minutes away and the guy is still pretty close to my hotel. So I walk over and I said, hey, I'm waiting for my Uber and the woman looks at me, security guard, she says, you need to go across the, the, the bridge to Aria to to get your Uber over there. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I text my guy and I said, hey, I'm at, I'm at Vidara, but you need to pick me up at Ari. He said, I know I'm on my way there right now. Traffic's really bad. I'll be there in a couple minutes. Perfect. So out I go. I walk out the front door. I start to walk over the bridge. And as I get over the bridge, I see a whole bunch of guys standing in the middle of the street. And they were like college kids. They had like you know a pair of shorts on, no shirts, no shoes. They're standing in the middle of the street doing this huge picture. So I stand on the bridge and I'm looking out. As I'm standing there, this guy yells out, get off the bridge. And I look over at him. I'm like, all right, dude, why? He's like, get off the fucking bridge. And I look over again and I say, why? And he says, by order of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, you need to get off of the bridge immediately. And I said, well, I I just want to know why. You're not a cop. You have a, a, a name tag, not a badge. In no way was I being disrespectful, just so everybody knows. Everybody knows anybody in the hospitality world, especially in that kind of side of it with the protection and security and all that stuff. Super, super cool people. Don't start sending me tweets that I'm a dick because I treated somebody nasty because that's not the way that I am. I just had a question. A guy with a name tag was yelling at me to get off of a bridge. So he comes over and he starts being like a full dick. Start paying attention to me. You better fucking move it along. Get off the bridge by, by, you know, by, by order of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. I said, no offense, brother, but you got to understand my point. You're yelling at me to get off a bridge. And all I want to do is know why. And he's like, because I said so. And I was like, all right, dude, we're cool. So I kind of ignore him a little bit. I walk further away from the bridge. I start getting off and he starts yelling at me again. Like, get off the fucking bridge like I told you. So this is now my security guard. And just so you know, I've been in Vegas for an hour. So I finally said to him, yo, buddy, can you do me a favor? He's like, there's an active shooter situation. I said, well, that's all you got to tell me, man. Now I'm getting off the goddamn bridge. So I quick walk across the street. I walk into the front lobby of Aria and I look over at one of the security guards and I said, hey, I'm just waiting for my Uber. And the guy looks at me and laughs and goes, good luck. There's an active shooter situation directly outside of your hotel. So now here I am trying to get over to the convention center. 
and there's an active shooter. So apparently, two were dead. The night before, there was a robbery at the Bellagio. They robbed like a Rolex store with pig masks on. So crazy like bit of time in Vegas. Well, so now I got to find my Uber. I'm trying to get over to the convention center because it's nightclub and bar week. I've got a whole section that I've got to set up. Equipment is being delivered as soon as I'm walking in the front door. Like I'm trying to get over there. It took me an hour and 20 minutes to walk just to find a cab that would pick me up. I ended up walking all the way up the street behind the MGM Grand. I found a cab that two people were getting out of in a back parking lot. Hop in the cab. Long story short, it took me almost an hour and 45 minutes, almost two hours, to get over to the uh, Las Vegas Convention Center because of an active shooter. So I go in. Walk in the convention center. We set everything up. I'm super excited. It's the first year of the nightclub and bar food and beverage innovation center. I've got my chefs coming in in the next couple of days. We're designing the kitchen. We're putting it together. I'm super stoked. Now it's time for me to leave. I go back out. I get my Uber. It takes me an hour and 20 minutes to get back to my hotel. I had to get dropped off at the Bellagio, which is like two hotels over from where I'm staying at the Vidara. I have to walk all the way through the Bellagio. I've got to go all the way through the back, through the casino, up around the side of the hotel, all the way across the bridge till I finally get back to my hotel. I get into my hotel, and now it's game on, man. I got a couple buddies of mine that are coming into town. They're going to meet me out. We're going to have a little bit of fun. I ended up Saturday night going into Smith & Walensky. Smith & Walensky, classic, classic steakhouse if you've never been. I have an amazing conversation with the bartender, just super, super cool, sitting down. Um, it's me. It's my buddy, Dave Elger from Hot Mixology and Dylan Holcomb from Hot Mixology. Um, we sit down. We have a great conversation. You know, Dave and I have kind of bullshitted back and forth for a little while with our bartender, who our bartender was from Northeast Philly. George, I highly doubt you're listening to me right now, brother, but you were just the epitome of Philly the epitome of hospitality, the epitome of everything that I picture in an old school steakhouse. Now, the weird thing that I didn't know is that that Vidara three days later, or I'm sorry, Smith and Walensky three days later announced that they're closing their strip location. So it's this old, it's an individual building. It's a solo building with like a TJ Maxx on one side, like a CVS on the other, and like a t-shirt shop, you know, on either side of it in between MGM and I want to say like Hard Rock. So... And they're closing their location, which sucks because I had a beautiful ribeye. Um, I had a great wedge salad, like lardons, the whole nine yards. But, but George, you, my friend, made my entire experience. And, and, and after that, you know, I kind of went back to my hotel. I went out with Dave for a little while. We hung out, had a couple pops, like chilled out for a little bit. But I kept coming back the whole night to the hospitality part of what had just happened. Um, George was just there on every point. We had a great conversation about being in Philly and what it was like and talking about the neighborhoods. And he's been out here for 20 plus years. He opened the Smith and Walensky, the first bartender at Smith and Walensky in Vegas. And they're closing that place down. George, it's a shame I didn't get to see you when I went back in three nights later for dinner. But I just want to let you know, and I want to let Smith and Walensky know just how awesome it was being in there. I was really, really stoked about that. Um, I wish you guys the best of luck in your new uh, your new location with whatever it is that you guys do. So cheers to you guys and cheers to that for uh, 
taking an 18 year run and uh, and now you guys are moving. Probably going to end up in a casino somewhere. So thanks for that part of hospitality. Um, so now we come into Sunday. Sunday is kind of a chill day. I really wasn't feeling well. I was pretty sick. Um, you know, for for a week and a half leading up to it, um, I got to go out with a bunch of buddies. Some of my friends started to fly into town. Um, you know, Chad Rosenthal's coming in, and Nikki Liberato's coming in, and Kayla Robeson is getting ready to come in, and and Keith Breedlove, uh, uh, Matt Varga, uh, you know, uh, Panini Pete Pete Blom out of Alabama. All my buddies, all my chef friends were flying into town, so I was really really stoked about that. I was going to have a great week with them hanging out. And it all kind of started on Sunday. Chad and I went down to the pool for a little while. We kind of laughed for a bit. Um, ended up going out that night. Not too hard, but, but pretty hard. We had a good time. Pretty pretty lax evening. Uh, Monday rolls around. Now, everybody's in town. Everybody's in town now. <clears throat> They're all flying in. Uh, they're going to meet me at the convention center. We get over there. We start to assess the situation for what we have. We have a completely remote kitchen um, that was given to us by the Middleby Corporation, and they allowed us to use these amazing new innovative products. And some of these innovative products went as far as, you know, like like a completely in like a completely self-contained fryer system um, that had its own. Um, Air filtration up top with a three-stage system as well as its own Ansel system attached to it. So we got to, we literally, man, we beat the shit out of that piece of equipment. I cannot believe that thing held up as well as it did. So whoever made the Perfect Fry, I know it's a Pitco product, but Perfect Fry, you guys crushed it. Um, the Houdini, which is a self-contained, it's got a carburetor up top. Um, and we put at one point six trays of bacon in there and you couldn't even smell it. So, so here's where all the fun begins. We've got chefs that are hanging out. Everybody's talking. Sorry, I'm sniffling so much. I'm still sick. Um, everybody's hanging out. The chefs get together. We meet all of our culinary students. And it, it's just, it, it's the epitome of what being a chef is. We all connect. We all work together. There's delegation of responsibility. Everybody's putting their product together. You know, it was it was an awesome, awesome uh, couple of days to be out there and to watch these guys work. Watch how there's not one person who's better than the other. Um Everybody worked together from the Johnson and Wales students that were there to the amazing food and the donations and the sponsorship that we received from Chef's Warehouse, which is my go-to purveyor. I absolutely love Chef's Warehouse and everything they've done for me and for my brand, as well as for the restaurant and for the restaurants that I deal with. Um, so Monday night, we go out. Monday night, we went out. Beginning of the show, man. I do it every year. Before the show even starts, I had a... Uh, I had two classes on Monday afternoon. Sorry, I skipped this. I had two classes on Monday afternoon, two seminars. One was kind of bridging the gap between the front and back of house. And it was a whole different class for me this year and a whole different class for anything that I've ever taught before because you know what? Now I own a property. Now I'm a chef in a restaurant and I'm a chef and I own the business. I've got, you know, 70 employees underneath of me that I've got to, that I've got to, you know, be there for. Um, and and the week before, I had a whole, done a whole culture class with my staff, and the importance of culture within the restaurant, and and just just how without that roadmap that we all have as an owner, we need to share that stuff with our with our our, our people. We need to share it with them all the time. What it is that we want to see happen within our business. What it is that we want to we want our guests to feel. Um, so I have a couple of things that I do on a weekly basis where I talk about this and, um, you know, one of them is just a really simple kind of, you know, uh, just a little statement of culture and what culture is. So for me, 
the whole idea of culture and, and how I teach this and how I train it um, and how I how I kind of run this stuff is uh, it, it's pretty straightforward um, and, and and it's just kind of fun. So if you guys will listen to this just for a second, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up on my phone here um, and how I talk about it and all that good stuff. Hold on. Fiona just walked in um, to know if she can eat some of the sausage. Yes, Fiona, you can have. Yeah. The chicken and spinach sausage that we had last night for dinner. Um, so here, here's something that I text to my managers almost every day. And it goes like this. Keep the faith, my friends. Culture. C, command. U, unite. L, lead. T, teach. U, understand. R, retrain. E, experience. These are the things that culture stands for to me. You know, command is something we need to lead our group. We need to lead the people that we work with. We need to keep them comfortable and happy. And we do that through commanding them on what to do. And I don't mean command in a dictatorship. I mean in a leadership type of way. There's two different things between leadership and dictatorship. Leaders teach and entice and and engage and work with people. Dictators tell you what to do and then walk away. I'm trying to be more of a leader in the business than a dictator. Um, I have certain things that I believe in in my business, which are called nuts, which are non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards. Black shoes are my nuts. Uh, Denim jeans, dark indigo denim jeans are my nuts. A greeting are my nuts. So I always say that. And the reason why I kind of work with that is I read a book years ago called Nuts, which was non-negotiable, unalterable terms and systems. And for me, I joke around because one of the things I would say is, hey, I'm a little crazy. I'm a little bit nuts sometimes, but here's my feeling about this. I guess it makes me feel more comfortable when I talk to people about how to run their business as opposed to just being a dictator. So, But my nuts are something that everybody understands. God, you can hashtag nuts and do all that shit and make fun of me because I just said my nuts. But my nuts are things that help me run my business. Okay. So it's one of those things that's really important to me as it should be to you because when you're running your business, you have non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards that you guys have to keep in place all the time. Otherwise, your business starts to go awry. There, nobody really has a true idea of what it is that they want to do. And people are going to bang up against your nuts. I hate to say it, but they're going to buck against your nuts. So, But if we keep that culture going all the time, then guess what? Our businesses start to run a little bit more successfully. So let's break it down again. Culture. Command. We want to command what it is that we want. We want them to believe in our nuts. Unite. Running a business is all about pulling people together and bringing people together as a unified front. Because if you have a bartender who doesn't want to do what everybody else is doing or following through with, then guess what? You're not a united front and they become a cancer in the business. So it's time to remove that cancer. So pull everybody together and keep them together as a united front. Lead. Command and lead are two different things. Leading is showing and bringing people along the way. It's allowing them to kind of follow behind you, but they have to trust you. And the only way that's going to happen is when you command them and you unite them together. Teach. No matter what we do, we have to teach our staff. Everybody learns something all the time. I just spent an amazing week in Vegas with a group of people that I really truly respect. I love these people. Chad, Keith, Amy, Kayla, Matt, uh, Nick. Panini. These are all people that I really, truly believe in. And I'm glad that they were with me through this week. But I learned things from them at the same time. And I hope that they learned something from me because that as chefs is what we do. We need to teach our staff. 
Stop being a dictator. Spend some time in the kitchen. Spend an hour with your staff. Spend an hour with your bartender. Just showing them what you want, what you need to have done. Get them to believe. It's a horrible saying, but get them to drink that Kool-Aid. Allow them to believe and trust in you, and things will change. Understand. We need to be understanding of what people have going on in their own lives. This is not their life. This restaurant that we own, this kitchen that we run, this bar that we oversee, it is not their life. It may be a portion of their livelihood, but it's not their life, and we have to understand that. So if we're not putting a schedule out two weeks prior to to posting a schedule, then guess what? You're not having a commanded, united, led, or taught staff. You're going to have a front that's going to come against you, okay? So we got to make sure that we are always, always following through with that. So that idea of uniting people and pulling them together is so, so, so important. So we've got to make sure that we keep that going in our brain and in their brain all the time. So definitely get out there, spend that little bit of time with them and unite your team together. Okay. Teaching, like I said, get those people to understand what it is exactly that you're looking for. And then they can take that idea and they can move forward with it because without having that roadmap, I always talk about a roadmap to success. Without having that roadmap, we're sharing the information that we have. Our staff is never, ever, ever going to truly be able to understand what it is that we want. Okay? So one more thing. I got a couple more in here real quick for everybody. So we've got the understanding part of it. Without them understanding, they have no idea what we're doing. So we have to teach them. Then we go back through from the train part and we retrain. Constantly retraining. Constantly spending time with your staff. Understanding what they have. What they have going on in their lives. They may forget a little bit of a, a uh, you know a, a greeting, or they may forget to wear their black shoes. But guess what? If your staff does not understand what you want to do, you've got to retrain them. Get them in. Spend a couple of minutes. It's the most important money that you're going to spend on a daily basis. Is the idea of retraining your staff. I brought my staff in a couple of weeks ago to go through my whole world of culture and what I believe in culture, and I hope that they got something out of it because for me, it's very very important. So that retraining, every now and then, pull your staff in. Give them a bar class. Give them a food class. Give them a wine class. Give them a spirit class. Give them a hospitality class. Get them back in so that they know exactly where you are because things change every day. Things change every day within our industry. So that's where that retrain comes in. And then experience. Without giving our staff something to believe in, you're never going to be able to exceed the expectations of our guests to create an experience. And experience is something that we are giving to our guests and I, I try to read a lot when I'm doing stuff on the road and when I'm in at my house or whatever it is. And there's a great site that I found. Um, this is called hospitalitynet.org. And there's a great little article in here that's written by a guy named Doug Kennedy. Um, and it says, are you giving your guests enough RevPa? Okay. So RevPa in a hotel business means revenue per available room night. And what it says is, fortunately for us, our guests do not use a similar equation to evaluate their hotel stay, which they may call RevPa, because in an economy hotel, the RevPa is exorbitant at sometimes. Okay, so what is RevPa? It's a revenue per awake hour. Let's take a closer look. First, the official check-in time for most hotels is 4 p.m. with check-in and check-out at 11 a.m. or possibly noon. Ironically, the fancier hotel, the more likely it is that we kick them out the door at 11 a.m., giving our housekeepers time, blah, blah, blah. But what it gets into is if you're in a major metropolitan area resort destination, changes are your rev pot are much higher. Okay. 
Um, of course, you're in an economy hotel in a small town suburb. Your rates might be lower than 200. Therefore, your rev pod might be less. But one of the things that he talks about is that those who understand what the hospitality business is all about know that the truth is we give them something much more important than a physical thing. Okay? So we are not just giving our guests something. We're giving them something to live, to experience, to to go above and beyond. They're coming into us not to try us because guess what? You walk into a clothing store to try on a pair of jeans. You walk into a restaurant to have a beer and a burger. Okay? So they already know that they're going to spend money when they come in, but it's up to us to give them an experience to make them feel more comfortable about what they're going to do. So we have to make sure that we're taking care of our guests across the board. But if we only focus on creating a hospitality excellence, then the guest of the guest circle of life kind of changes. We really want to make sure that we're firing on all cylinders across the board. All right. So uh, get in there, have some fun with your guests, talk to them, engage with them, communicate with them, shake their hands, have fun with them, exceed the expectations of what a guest has when they walk through your front door. That's something that I have really made a major focus on my life and in my business for this week, for this month, for this year, is exceeding the expectations of my guests. And that's what I want to talk about. And that's what I just did talk about. And I hope that you guys had a good time listening to it. That is my opening thoughts for this week. I had a crazy week in Vegas. I loved it. I spent some amazing time with some amazing friends, made amazing, amazing new interactions and new connections throughout this entire week. So if you were in Vegas and I got to see you, guess what? You made my week better than it was the week before. If you were in Vegas and I didn't get to meet you, I hope I get to meet you next year. And if you're coming to Philly, definitely stop into my place, the Flying Fish Craft House, and have a shitload of fun with us because we're going to do our best to exceed the expectation for whatever it is that you need. So what I have for you guys right now is I have a friend of mine who is here with me uh, that I spent a good amount of time with this week. Uh, My friend Kayla Robeson is... A wonderful human being. She's a single mom. She's a chef. She spends uh, a tremendous amount of time in the restaurant. And I had the luxury and the pleasure of being able to spend a week with her in Vegas and see her experience new things and catch new things and and, and watch new things happen. So um, in this interview, I hope you can feel her passion for what it is that she does. Um, I hope you can feel my passion for what it is that I do and the cool interactions that her and I had throughout the week. So ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. Please check out this wonderful human being named Kayla Robeson, the chef of the nation kitchen and bar in Cincinnati, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Chef, Miss Chef, what do you want? Should, am I supposed to say here? Miss Kayla Robeson. So about a year ago, I was in Cincinnati. I was hanging out with the chef from Lachey's um, Sports Bar, and his name is Orlando, and he's a super, super cool guy. We've done a couple of projects together in the past. Just a really good egg. And he said, hey, you know, do you mind if a friend of mine joins us tonight and has a couple beers? Which is automatic for me. It's like, yeah, the more the merrier. Like, I love the the bigger the group, and, and, and the more fun that we get to have, the happier I am, especially while I'm on the road. So... So next thing you know, in walks Kayla Robison, who is the chef from uh, Nation Kitchen and Bar down there in Cincinnati, which has an amazing story that I'm going to allow. I'm going to I'm going to kind of let her tell you the story of of how they came to that location and what they're doing. But um, throughout the night, like we had fun, we had a couple beers, we all started talking. It was a great time. And then the next day, I ended up going into Nation Kitchen and Bar to have uh, to have a burger and some of the fun stuff that they do over there. Well, Kayla took us back into the kitchen and gave us the grand tour of the. Uh, 
of the the back of house operations and what this and, and what she does in her kitchen. Um, now I love female chefs. I love female cooks. Um, I think it's uh, it's one of those things. It's a really nice break to have in a kitchen because there's so much testosterone, and then you throw in a, an amazing woman who can cook, who can lead, who can do all of that stuff. And walking through her kitchen, I got to see all of that happen directly in front of me. So, ladies and gentlemen, do me a big favor. Get all your stuff together. Turn it down, especially if you have kids in the car, because I have no filter and I've listened to Kayla talk, especially after having a couple of beers sitting on a pool table while doing a shimmy with the shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend and hopefully soon to be yours, Kayla Robeson. What's going on, lady? How's it going? How are you doing after a crazy week? Oh, goodness. Still recovering. My voice is still gone after last Monday's adventures. <laughs> that was so. Uh, that was so so that everybody knows. So uh, tell everybody what we did last week. Oh, so we flew out to Vegas uh, to uh, do awesome demos um, and show off awesome new equipment uh, at the nightclub and bar show in uh, Vegas. So let's see, Monday night, I landed at 9 a.m., went straight to the convention center, hung out with awesome chefs, met super talented people and students, Johnson & Wales students that came out to help us out. And uh, let's see, we worked, we, you know, cooked and prepped some food for the demos. And then we went to dinner and went to bars, my first time in Vegas. (laughs) And you guys showed me the ropes. And I was up for 26 hours. I did not get back to the hotel until like five o'clock in the morning. And then we had to return back to the convention center at 10, 1030. Well, why did you go to bed so late? Oh, you know, we were... uh, (laughs) Hanging out and drinking some uh, ass juice, oh, and uh, <laughs> where's my ass juice? My ass juice is on my kitchen, on my uh, my bathroom sink, with your toothbrush in it. With my toothbrush. So, so uh, it, it was Kayla's first time out in Vegas, and for me, like I've been there, I don't know, twenty or thirty times. So I've seen some really cool stuff, and you know, the strip kind of gets a little bit boring to me, and so do the nightclubs, and and just the pure debauchery that happens out there. So I tend to lay a little bit low. Um, when I get out there, unless, unless it's like the first night when everybody's together. So, um, Kayla ended up coming out with us and, uh, and full fledged, just uh, like, just rallied like a rock star. Um, oh, yeah. we ended, <laughs> I don't even remember all of the bars that we went to, Well, we went to the club first, right? Yeah. We went to the club. So we went to Marquee. Yeah. Yep. Which was, a, and- there were a couple of people there. Just a couple. Just, it was really hard to move. Probably 6,000. Took about an hour to get a drink. It was horrible. It was absolutely hard. You know what? It's one of the things that I hate about going to Vegas is the fact that I can't get a drink. Yeah. Well, then it was your uh, genius idea to go to like the world's best dive bar. Well, yeah. But first, what what did you do? What did we do while we were at Marquee? When everybody else was being wallflowers. You and I danced That's on the right. dance floor, <laughs> strobe lights and all, fist pumping in the air. <laughs> and while everybody else was on their cell phones doing Snapchat and Instagram. We were the only one dancing. We were the only two dancing. Um, <laughs> and we ended up, we got a little VIP table up top, remember? Or did you forget all that? Uh-oh. Yeah. Did, did I lose you? We did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, so yeah, we had a little VIP yeah, table yeah, it's with, going in and out, but. with some of the nightclub and bar people. We had some fun with those guys, and then we ended up going over to uh, to the greatest dive bar in my mind, uh, one of the top dive bars in the country, which is the Double Down Saloon, which Absolutely. is full on stick to the floor 
Be aware of what you're touching in the bathroom. Say nothing. Don't sit down to pee. (laughs) Don't sit down to pee. (laughs) Don't sit down to pee. And then uh, there was actually, there was a woman given a blowjob in the back corner. Yeah, she was uh, talented. She was busy. She was very busy. She was busy behind (laughs) the curtain. That DJ, though, like, good him for keeping his mind straight and still getting, you know, his... That thing going up, <laughs> yeah. All that going down, and uh, he still like did some awesome tunes. But yeah, no, the DJ that was out there was he was he was he was awesome. Like he was awesome. Every song was perfect. Total vibe of the whole night was going strong. Everybody got oh, a little yeah. got a little banged up. It was a perfect perfect evening. Hot child in the city came on, and I just <laughs> busted dancing. <laughs> I think at one point I. Did I climb on top of the pool table? <laughs> you did, I don't know if you got on top dance. of the you were You were definitely sitting on the pool table because I have a Snapchat <laughs> video of you doing the shoulder shuffle. Oh, yeah. Next to, who's with Nikki Lips? <sighs> it was Nick fun. Nick and Chad. Yeah, everybody. It was, they were it was a really good time. Really good group of people. I'm really glad that everybody came out for this. So, so what we did at, at Nightclub and Bar, which just so everybody knows, is the largest nightclub and bar show in the world. Um, there's typically between 40 and 45,000 people that show up to the nightclub and bar show. Um, and this year, uh, we came up with a whole new idea, which the idea was to do the uh, Food and Beverage Innovation Center, which um, I had uh, I had eight or seven chefs who joined us on this whole little little trek that we did. So it was Kayla. It was Nick Liberato from the Venezuela. It was Chad Rosenthal from uh, the Lucky Well in Ambler. It was Panini Pete uh, Pete Blome out of Alabama with his six properties. It was Matt Varga who who showed up like a rock star. Yes, he had did. absolutely no idea. He was like super quiet leading up to it, and then he shows up in rare form the whole trip. Yeah, um, we had uh, who else did we have with us? It was me. Who was the other chef? <coughs> we had uh, Nicole. Nicole. She didn't really show up though for the game. Right. Yeah, she, she wasn't really part of our. Our uh, our wolf pack, our our chef pack, but she, <laughs> she she showed up and she did a good presentation. She made some awesome food. She did, she did, she yep. did a very nice job. Yeah, we uh, you know one of the things about being a chef is really that camaraderie, that spending time in the kitchen, that 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 plating portion. And unfortunately, and I can say this loud and proud, that wasn't there with that. And it kind of you know Nicole, hey, more power to you, lady. You're a busy lady. We appreciate your help and all that good stuff. Um, we wish we could have helped you a little bit more. That's how yeah. I feel about that. And um, then Keith and Amy. Holy God, shit, they those were two. Rock stars. Keith and Amy Breedlove from Culinary Cruiser out there in Sacramento who came out strong. Yeah. Super oh, strong. They, they led it. I mean, they, they really, really just took over the kitchen and was. It was amazing. They did a, such a good job. And what a one! What a nice group of people. What a really nice oh, yeah. group of people. I'm really glad that we all did it. And it wasn't a bunch of pretentious chefs that were out there. And um, the amazing, the culinary students from Johnson and Wales. So, so what we did while we were out there was there were seven chefs. Each one of us did a demo, or eight chefs. Each one of us did a demo. Um, we had culinary students that were with us the whole time. Um, and they stayed for three days and they busted their ass for three days just as well as the chefs did. I mean, at one point, Kayla showed up. She had like a cute dress on. She was all ready to rock and roll. <laughs> I was told after to wear red dress. carpet. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else is looking, you know, like badasses in their chef coats and their aprons. And here I am wearing high heels and a tight dress. You look wonderful. <laughs> I was told. And who told? Did I tell you to wear a dress? No, I don't know. It was, it was probably email chains. Chad. 
It was probably Chad. Chad probably did. Chad yeah. loves a good dress. <laughs> he looks uh, good in one too. I'm he does. Sure. He's got great. He's like he's got great legs. I saw his legs at the pool the other day. It was, <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. Um, but uh, so yeah. So what we did was we got to work with this amazing equipment from Middleby Corporation, um, and they provided us with just these amazing new and innovative products from the Houdini to all this other stuff. We're not doing a commercial for those guys right now, but it was really cool what they did. <laughs> Chef's Warehouse did uh, all the food for us, so we had really great product with us and. Everybody got along and everybody worked their asses off. And I can't wait until next year because it's only going to be bigger and better. So, yes. Um, so, Kayla, I want to talk to you a little bit about about you and what you do. So how did yeah. you get to. I mean, you're young. You're twenty nine, twenty seven, oh, twenty six, twenty six. You're younger <laughs> than I Twenty six going on 40. OK, twenty six going on 40. And <laughs> how, how did you end up in a kitchen? So, uh, funny story. Um, let's see. I'm from North Dakota originally. So back in North Dakota, you can get your license when you're 14. Cause more like what is there to run into besides cornfields? Um, except for I found just about everything to run into. And, uh, I crashed a car <laughs> the oh. first day I got my, uh, my temps. So my dad, the very next day was like, well, time for you to get a job. So we showed up to this buffet uh, called the Royal Fork Buffet, which is now uh, no longer there, but still to this day is known as like the best buffet in North Dakota. (laughs) Um, So, uh, and you know, the girls there, um, they were all front of house and the guys were all back of house. Um, And so my job was to every nine minutes, uh, there was a timer that would go off and every nine minutes I would go around and pour coffee. And I hated it. It was just, I saw what the back of house was doing and how much fun they were having and just like the intensity of the back of house. And I was always back there, always wanting to learn. And, um, one day someone said, you know, oh, you know, girls can't, um, wash dishes. Like they can't be a dishwasher. And I was like, well, fuck that. Like I'll wash some dishes. This looks great. (laughs) And my uh, boss at the time was like, if you can wash dishes for three months, I'll put you in the back of house. Wow. I was like, all right. So, uh, yeah, definitely pay your dishwashers really well. Cause that's, <laughs> it's not fun. Lots of, uh, but you know, and I did it and it was fun. And I finally got my back of house. I was doing, uh, salads and desserts. Um, and then I would still kind of sneak in a little on the line. Um, and then I, it just kind of went from there. I always worked front of house and back of house at the same time but I always loved the back of house. So when I was, uh, let's see, 19, um, ready to kind of figure out what I wanted to do, I moved to Cincinnati and originally went in for pastries. Um, My whole idea was, you know, my hometown doesn't have any mom-pop shops, really. It's, it's your Applebee's. It's your – we just got an Olive Garden, which was pretty exciting for everybody there. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's no, there was no place to actually get, like, any desserts or wedding cakes. Uh, it was my best friend's 21st birthday, and I was like, I'm going to make you a birthday cake. And it started from there, and I made a really good, like, three-liter fondant cake and um, – <laughs> or three-tier fondant cake. And I was like, God, I want to do this. So I packed my bags up. Uh, moved to Cincinnati with my daughter. My daughter was one years old at the time. Um, my dad's originally from Cincinnati, so I have um, aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins here. So I had the support system that I needed and enrolled in the MCI, the Midwest Culinary Institute here. 
for pastries. And I show up first day, the teachers are on strike. So there's no class. There's no, like, (laughs) I basically was like, are you kidding me? I just moved here. And then they tell me there's a three year waiting list for the program. So I'm like, I just moved my entire life here to go to school. And then you guys just now decide to tell me this. Oh, geez. Uh, so she said for the, for the pastry program, which it's got a very good pastry program. There's a three year waiting list. So she's like, you know, well, why don't you just, you know, get into the culinary program. And once the pastry program opens up, you can jump into that. The class is kind of like, will transfer. So I was like, okay, well, sure enough. Uh, within a month of being in the culinary program, pastry program that got me in and I was double majoring at the same time. So I was doing culinary and pastries. Um, and I worked as a pastry chef for four years out of college and then, um, kind of always still worked a sideline job. Um, and then nation was an opportunity that came my way and I jumped in and now I w- I mean, I've opened the restaurant with the owners the menu was being built out of my house before the kitchen was even built. <laughs> um, and here we are 18, 19 months later. So that's it. So that's my, so where were you working before nation? Uh, so my first, uh, I guess like tackle out of a degree was marketing. So actually I got out of the kitchen for a little bit. Um, so when I first got nation, I was bartending for the bar that, um, my owners owned and I was working for a video production firm doing, um, social media marketing and coordinating and, um, and then the owners, you know, said, Hey, you know, we heard that you had a culinary background. Like, is this something you'd be interested in? We're interested in opening up a restaurant. And at the time I was just like, you know, I can't, I think I want to get out of the industry. Um, And, you know, that's a funny thing that I've realized is us chefs and cooks and people in the industry, this isn't something that we initially went in, like, thinking this is what we're going to do for the rest of our life. This is because A, B, and C didn't work out. And we always try to get out. And yet we always find our way back in because we love it. And that's exactly like, that's, it's passion. That's what this industry is all passion. It's not, and I think a lot comes from like, not just are you passionate about making food, but it's passionate about the family you make, the families you have in the industry that just keep you coming back. And that's kind of, and that's where it was. It was like, I was doing video production. I was making good money. Um, but I wasn't happy. I, I missed the kitchen. So, um, yeah, I was just, when the owner said, you know, is this something you want to get back into it? I was hesitant. And then I was like, let's do this. And then by that time they already had like five other people that were, you know, have a great long history in the kitchen who are very talented. So I was thinking, you know, well, honestly, they're going to be better choices than me. (laughs) But I told them, I sat them down. I said, you know, I have the passion and the work ethic that no matter what, I will make this work. Like if I don't know the answer, I'll find the answer. And, sure. you know, and they just believed in me and gave me the opportunity. So I'm very lucky that I went from pastry chef, um, you know, doing cakes and desserts for restaurants. Um, I worked as the more, I worked as the assistant pastry chef at Moreline Logger House. I don't know if you've been there. Um, yeah, great place. <laughs> yeah. Um, learned a lot. And, um, you know, worked as a line cook. I never worked as a sous chef. So I kind of jumped a big step, which 
is I, I miss that. I wish I would not have, but at the same time, I'm so fortunate that I'm in the position that I'm in. Um, but as an executive chef, I'm still learning from my guys and gals in the kitchen. And I have such an amazing support group here in the Cincinnati with, you know, Orlando and, um, other awesome chefs here that are influences to me that have helped me grow as a, as a chef, as a person, as a cook, as, um, you know, as an executive chef. So, well, you, you said something the other night when we were talking and, you know, we, we can, we can talk all we want about how much fun we had in Vegas and all the other stuff, but it, it really was for me, one of the things that I like the most and what you said about family. One of the things that I like the most is the fact that how we can all get together and we, we really did. We sat and talked. I mean, we talked for, for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, the whole group of us really it, it, it's, I mean, and we like, I miss you guys right now. I know. You know, like I've really missed you guys over the last couple of days because one, we spent all day together and then mm-hmm. we spent each night together and we all really kind of, you know, we partied it up and we did our stuff, but we but bonded. I, like Tuesday night for me was awesome. I loved Tuesday night. Me too. Tuesday night was really very cool because one, it was your first time out there. It and we, 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 we wanted to make sure that Kaylee got to see, like, she drank a beer in front of the Bellagio fountains. We watched that for a while. We took yep. pictures in front of the Las Vegas sign. <laughs> you know, like, we did all... The only thing we didn't get you was a hooker, so... <laughs> well, I saw one on stage doing her uh, oh, primetime job. She was Monday doing night. more than primetime jobs <laughs> up there on Monday night. But, yeah. um, but, but one of the things we were talking about was... You know, I, I don't know how it came to. I don't know if it was a student that had asked you this question or somebody else who said, like, you know, who's your favorite chef or who do you follow or whatever. And you said, I don't. Do you remember what your answer was? Uh, probably along the lines that I don't. For one, I haven't had cable in 10 years. So there's no celebrity chef that I follow. It's the chefs I follow are the the chefs here in Cincinnati exactly or the people I meet, you know, like I, the most amazing thing I took away from this whole experience that with, you know, Vegas and what we did was that, I mean, you guys have such, all the chefs there have such amazing, basically resumes. I mean, you guys um, are doing such cool things and food network stars and everyone, you know, bar rescue and you got, and I was kind of nervous coming on initially thinking, you know, like, wow, like I'm afraid people are almost going to be a little high strung, but you guys weren't like, you guys, you're, we're all chefs and exactly. we're, and it was to. awesome to see how successful, you know, like when you and I were talking about like health business and this, you and I are still battling the same issues of you have like good labor and, you know, finding good work and like all these normal things that no matter what status you have, celebrity chef or anything, or just a cook, we're all going, we all have the same issues. We're all going through the same things, family life, work life, yeah. you know, personal life. Like those are all things that we all have together. So yeah. Um, you know, when I, and I, yeah, someone had asked one of the students had asked like, well, who do you follow? And it's the chef down the street from my house that I go to his restaurant <laughs> once a week. You know, it's, it's people who are doing amazing things in Cincinnati. And now I have seven new people who I've met that I actually get to call friends and follow up with and see like, those are my inspirations. Like the people who I've actually met who are doing awesome things and around me or at a distance, but I've actually met them. 
Well, and it is kind of cool. And, I, and <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I've, I, we, I travel and I get to see people all the time and I meet those pretentious chefs and, you know, I meet those guys who are bigger and, and quote unquote better than, than the next guy. But, but when you get in with a group like us, which is really why I wanted it, you know, I mean, you talk about Nikki Libs, like he's one of the most spiritual little dudes that I know, but yes. he's so talented and he's so driven and he's so passionate. But guess what? He's driving his kids to school the same way that I am and the same way that you are. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just Absolutely. posted a picture on Snapchat a little while ago of him like doing disco with Bella in the back seat. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's we he- have lives. He's so funny. I just want to note that whenever you hear him talk about food, I oh. feel like it's like a meditation session. Like I could be doing yoga to him just talking about food. He really is. He and he he goes all on. I mean, a lot of what he has done is his experiences and 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 the places that he's been. You know, he spent a tr- he spent a tremendous amount of time in Costa Rica. Spent a lot of time in Italy. You know, very passionate countries when it comes to food. And to listen to him talk about that is is awesome. You know, yes, there's a lot so of really passionate. really cool stuff, and 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 it's also fun to talk about. Like with you guys, we all. I, I, I can't. Remember, I guess it was Chad. Um, Chad was like, you know, you know, like when you, when you take, when you take your ribs and you brine them and then you put them like, it it was almost as if he was talking to somebody who had never talked about food before. Right. Because of the way that he talked about it. But we all were like, oh my God. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then what I do is I put orange peel in there and I do this. So it's so funny to watch all of us kind of not one up each other because it's not a one up. It's it's about a conversation about food and how we do stuff differently. Right. And at the same time, one of the coolest things that I think that we all did is how fast everybody adapted to the situation. We had a, a group of chefs that were with us. You, you know, Nikki, Chad, Keith, everybody that was there. We're all a group of chefs. And and one of the neat things is with Panini, because Panini and I have done, you know, we've done mess lord stuff where we show up in a galley and, and we don't have knives. Oh, you know, gosh. we don't have pots and pans sometimes. We yep. are working in, you know, in massive kitchens that don't have the basic necessities that we need to get stuff done. So to watch you guys adapt to that as well as you did with a table that's too short or working with equipment that you've never worked before, you know, you, oh, you, or <laughs> opening up wine bottles with a drill. <laughs> <laughs> and then this then this damn culinary sense like you guys need a wine key. Yeah, I, I, when I was on bottle nine and I had to open ten. <laughs> Kayla was Kayla was literally like a tight gray dress, heels. <laughs> she had a red and white striped apron um, in front of her. And you guys, if you haven't seen Kayla, Kayla's beautiful. You're absolutely stunning. And oh, watching you. you stand there in this beautiful dress and heels and the apron <laughs> with a culinary student holding on to the bottom of the bottle, with you <laughs> with a gr- like a like a screw gun. A drill. To, yeah, a drill <laughs> trying to get it, trying to get a cork out. And then this kid's like, anybody need a corkscrew? Um, you know, and, and there was no question about it. It was just like we all looked over and thought, oh, she's taking a cork out. No questions asked. Like yep. there was not a thought about it. Um, and, and that's do. and that's what being a chef is. It's I always try to say it's not just how you cook. It's how you lead at the same time. You know, yes. anybody can be a chef. I, and I, I mean that very simply. If you're working at Outback and you run the kitchen, you're the chef of the kitchen. The, the term mm-hmm. chef means to the head of the brigade, the person who, who oversees that kitchen. <clears throat> and. For us, it was so cool because we all have such different levels. You know, Panini's a graduate of culinary of the CIA. Chad never went to culinary school. You know, are you, wow. did you go to school? 
I did. You did. That's right. So, yeah, that's right. You went to pastry like, and culinary. Yeah, I went <laughs> pastries and culinary. But and Nikki Libs did not go to school. I'm not sure if she if Keith did or not. I think Nicole did. Matt did. I know because he was a Johnny Whaler as well. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to watch the different groups and the way that everybody kind of came together and, and all that. But you had were talking about how we've always kind of how we've come in and out of the business. And I mean, I started in the business when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And washing tables, you know, washing dishes and bussing tables and working at castles, this tiny little shithole in Narberth. But guess what? It was the 80s. So <laughs> the, the, all that's all there, you know, no, but the, the Board of Health was, you know, collecting a manila envelope, not walking through and actually checking it out. And I used to have to go downstairs in the basement at the end of the night and I had to do my taxes for my tips and give my on he had a piece of paper that had all the taxes written out. If you mm-hmm. made $20 in tips, this is how much you had to, ta- to give him in taxes. Totally going into his pocket. No doubt in my mind that that shit was going into his pocket as I think about it now. But I remember <laughs> like kind of working through and then I waited tables for a while and then I I uh I actually quit the business and worked for Ralph Lauren. I sold clothes. Yeah, for that's a what year. you said that. You know, what yep. I mean like like and and just selling clothes. That's what I did. Uh, and then I got the itch again and I went to culinary school and it just kind of took off from there. Um, and, and I, you know, I mean, I, I have had a fun little career, but the cool part for me is getting to meet everybody and to see what everybody else is doing. So, yeah. so what is going on with you and nation? So I'll tell the story about nation and, and kind of how it came <laughs> to, how did you, how did you, you have three really cool owners Yes. who I met when we were in Vegas. Who, yep. who who really are, I mean, they're very lucky to have you, you know, Aww. after watching how you run your kitchen and the food that you put out and all of that stuff, because there's a lot of pride that goes into everything that you put out. So yeah. how did you connect with them? How did that come to be? And I want to hear the history of, of Nation as well. <clears throat> so uh, I met the owners for, so they own um, three, they're kind of, they've now formed themselves as a restaurant group in uh, Cincinnati. So they're called the Hickory Wald Group. Uh, they first opened up Ryan House, which is across from Lachey's. Um, so I was bartending for them. Um, and that's kind of how we met. And then my sous chef, who he actually used to be my boss back in the day when I first moved to Cincinnati. And I was in um, when I was in the uh, in the kitchen making pizzas and everything else that that restaurant uh, made. Um, I, him and I developed a really good, strong friendship. He's one of my best friends to this day. So I knew as soon as when, when nation was, uh, you know, brought to me, um, I knew he was my right hand man. So, um, that's kind of how like we formed our group. So, I mean, we've all and the, the, the amazing thing about our company and like our restaurant is that we all are in this together. Everyone has been there for every tasting and everyone has like every burger that you have or that, that you've, that's on our menu is all pieced together by all of us in some way. So, um, and then I guess the story of nation is, uh, that's a really cool one. So Carrie nation was, um, this pre-prohibition era woman who would go around. Um, she was born in Kentucky, lived in Missouri, and she was married to a super drunk who um, died. And she absolutely hated alcohol. And she would go around to bars with a hatchet and perform what she called hatchetations, <laughs> which is basically going to bars with a group of crazy ass women with a hatchet and start hacking. I mean, men were in the middle of drinking their beers 
And she would come busting in with her gang with a hatchet and just start slamming their hatchet down on their beers and busting every bottle and, and spitting all these Bible verses and everything. So <clears throat> she made her way up the coast. And rumor has it when she came to Cincinnati, you know, at that time we had the most bars, beer gardens, breweries, um, I believe like in the U S and, um, so <laughs> when she came, all the bars had boarded up their windows and their doors to keep her out. Everyone was like ready for her to come and fuck, fuck their shit up. And she basically <laughs> walked, she like took a look her around. Shit up. She, yeah. She took a look around when she came to Cincinnati and she said, I would have died from exhaustion from all the bars that we had. And she didn't do anything. And then she went and died. So that was great. So we were like her last stop. She, she, we, she did not perform any hatchetations in Cincinnati. Um, so it was just kind of like a, you know, we definitely need to, uh, name since or name our restaurant after her, you know, in tribute of her <laughs> and the door so, handle, your door handles and the door handle. Yeah. As soon as you walk in a nation, like it's, I mean, she's there. I mean, you walk in the door handle that we have is a hatchet. Um, so you open up the door and then we actually have her hatchet that she would get. There was this. I believe like this metalsmith in um, Michigan that would make these little hatchets um, for all of her women that were part of her uh, gang. <laughs> and they had her, it has her face on it and it says Carrie nation. It's really cool. And we have one in a shadow box um, as soon as you walk into the right restaurant. And then um, we have, and we've kind of named a little bit of our um, rooms after her. So we have like the hatchet hall which, um, is all, it's all windows. It's beautiful. And you, know, you can, uh, sit there and we have a big mural of her and her, she wasn't a very pretty woman. <laughs> she was a little beat She's up. A poorly <laughs> thing. She was a poorly yeah. thing. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean like it's, it's everywhere and it's really cool the way that it's, um, how the owners, um, branded it. I mean, we have wallpaper with hatchets on there. Um, we have her quotes, um, in the in the restaurant like it's just it's really cool just a piece of cincinnati history that's, that's there cool. as soon as you walk in that's and cool. our menu is named like our burgers are you know the temperance which is your basic cheeseburger and we have the nation which is our house burger and all those fun things and then we actually have a beer that's brewed for us um called uh carry ale and um it's brewed by listerman and um so yeah we're all about celebrating her that's cool. And now what is the next project? Huh, so the next project <laughs> uh, for our company, are you for our company or for nation? Well, for you guys, I mean, for oh, the company. For nation. Yeah. yeah or, uh, I mean, for so nation, you were telling me the other day. Nation, yes. Okay. So for nation, so we are, um, we're a burger joint. We are known, you know, we like to be known for the bang for your buck burger. There's a lot of burger joints in the city that are right near us. Um, and they're, they're a little expensive in the sense that, I mean, they can be because they're in the area where they can charge 12, 14 bucks for a burger. Well, we charge nine, 10 bucks for a burger because we want you to be able to, you know, come in and drink and socialize and have this kind of be an extension of your living room and like just chill out with friends and um, enjoy whatever events going on in the city or whatever games on TV um, which, by the way, your fucking Phillies beat our ass last we night. So beat you. We that. didn't beat your ass. We beat you four <laughs> to three. Oh, was it four to three? We didn't beat your ass. Four to one. We didn't well, beat your ass. I think it was four it to was three, four if I'm not mistaken. 
It's yeah. a slap in the face that it's opening day and we freaking lost. <laughs> well, guess what? It was so, opening day for us as well, just not in Philly. Oh, but Cincinnati holds the history of opening day. We Did are they? the first. You didn't know this? No, this, this is, is like, tell me this stuff. Oh, my gosh. We spent all the night crazy. talking about food and kids and I pool know. and shoulder shuffling. You didn't tell me the history. Yeah. Cincinnati uh, was the first major league, uh, major league baseball team. I did see. So, um, yeah, so we're the first pro team, um, and it's yeah we uh, hold the um, the opening day honors. So, although I feel that there's obviously a couple other cities, I don't know much about baseball. I'm from North Dakota. I live and breathe hockey. So, okay, so you are. So, are you a sports fan? You're a hockey fan. I'm a hockey fan. So, who's your team? Uh, so my hometown is um, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, we are known for our hockey team, which they just changed the names, but it was the Fighting Sioux. Um, and a lot of our hockey uh, players go pro. And let's see, the last Winter Olympics that the or that the hockey team was on, um, we had eleven of the Olympians were from my hometown. Wow! Holy shit! Oh yeah. My yeah, God. I went to high school. I went to high school with two of them. So that I mean, again, this. You breed just to have hockey players in my hometown. <laughs> it's right. the only reason why. So the real there. reason you left is because you had a daughter and not a hockey player. Yeah. Oh, hell no. The and hockey, they kicked the you girls, out. Yeah. The girl <laughs> hockey players are just as good. Like, they're killer. I always wanted, I, I still want my daughter to play hockey. <laughs> How old your daughter? But, um, yes. So anyways, back at Nation. So Nation, our, our new project right now. So I just, um. I started a community garden, um, which is at the end of the block of nation. Um, you know, nation's kind of in an area where it really needed some development. It was kind of a rundown area. Um, it's part of over the Rhine and, but we're in our own area called Pendleton. Um, so there's some we great f- buildings right there. Oh yeah. I mean the history and how well kept the buildings are like, there, it's just beautiful. You, when you walk the streets of Cincinnati, you see the history. Even though, like, there's new shops there, it's still like you're that, still walking in. That Art Deco. I mean, I love because I stay at the. Uh, what hotel do I stay? It's the Hilton. Hilton Netherlands Plaza. The, the, oh gorgeous. my God! Are you kidding me? It's I, gorgeous. I absolutely love it. So I did a whole bunch of projects in Cincinnati. For anybody who doesn't know, I I worked with the 4EG Group, a great, great, great group of guys. Um, who have just opened up a boatload of restaurants out there. And um, and the Hilton Netherland Plaza is it's it's one of my favorite hotels in mm-hmm. the country that I'd love to stay. But but OTR is such a great old warehousey kind of district. And the buildings yeah. are beautiful. There, what's yep. the what's the market that's there? Phil, Phil, Finley Market. Finley Market. That's <laughs> we right. got voted, I think, top 10 best uh, markets in the u.s you guys also have one of the largest food festivals in the country yep. in cincinnati. cincinnati Cincinnati's yep. a great town anybody who hasn't gotten there <laughs> go and have some fun man i'm telling you it's oh, yeah. a great town the Oktoberfest is is this is is the second, second biggest only to germany yeah right yeah yep germany is number one and we've got the second biggest Oktoberfest. Well, yeah, it's a, a shit show <laughs> but there's a, there's a huge german population Yes. In Cincinnati. Okay. All right. Yep. So I don't know why. Yep. But. Ton of new breweries. Um, yeah. And the food scene though is, is just blooming here. Yeah. It's amazing. Like we have chefs who, um, you know, a lot of them are from here are born and raised. And then there are some who got 
what I like to say, married into Cincinnati. So their wives are from here and they settled here and they've opened up restaurants and they're just fucking killing it. I mean, like the food I've been, I've had food now, you know, in Vegas, I've had food, um, some of the best food in San Francisco and to see Cincinnati is starting to really grow in that direction of all about local food and like, let's start composting. Let's start growing our own. So that's kind of where, you know, that that we're, we're just a burger joint, but I want to make us more. And we are, we're more than just a burger joint. Our meat is our cows come from right down the, you know, a few (laughs) miles down the road. I can pet our cows, you know, like, um, our buns come from a, uh, great, great bakery called 16 bricks. Ryan Morgan is the owner. He's got such a fantastic story on how he got started. Yeah. We used his stuff at Lachey's. Yep. 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 And, um, and he still does. <laughs> Lachey's buns actually just got delivered to my restaurant last night because uh, they couldn't get in because <laughs> of opening day. Oh, no. Orlando, oh yeah. Orlando right. stopped by to pick up his buns. <laughs> Love that guy. Such a yes. good egg. He's so good. Um, so, you know, like it, it's just we're all about, you know, doing everything as local as possible. And I see a lot of that, especially in California. And it's really cool to see that being done here and the impact that we have on the community by doing things local, you know, we're feeding back into our community. If we are all about, you know, purchasing our local like produce from our farmers, well, let's start composting, you know, let's start doing these things. These are ways, not only is it good for the environment, but it's good just for our city. And, um, for us as chefs, I mean, this, the whole garden idea for me was, it was a way to challenge myself. I've never have plant. I don't, I can't ever keep plants alive or I couldn't. <laughs> now we're about to find <laughs> Now I have a whole plot I need to keep alive. Yeah. But you know, like this is something that was like, I want to challenge myself. And I teamed up with an awesome group. The civic garden center, um, is a nonprofit. And, um, this gentleman named Joe, who is in the neighborhood of Pendleton, who's has a green thumb, like no other, he's like a green Lord. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this was just a way to say, let's, let's take nation to the next level. You know, let's start, let's start growing our, let's do like from the garden cocktails. I'm growing a bunch of herbs so that our, our, uh, bar managers can use uh, the herbs and put them into their cocktails. And let's try to bust out as many tomatoes as I can. I'm sure only maybe 10 burgers a day will come from a fresh garden tomato (laughs) with how much volume we use. But still, I mean, it's just, it's a movement that we're starting here that I think as a chef and, and not only that, like it brings the community together. I mean, this yeah. garden is something that all of us are a part of in the community. I know I did. I, I opened up a uh, a place called Harvest up here. And when I had first opened up and we were a big, we were a huge volume. I mean, we were doing $40,000 worth of food a week. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one of the coolest that, things that for me was, <laughs> I, I mean, I worked with 75 farmers. So it was a oh, huge wow. experience for me because I actually documented the whole first you know, my first purchases that I had made with them was, you know, my beef from a place out in Reading, Pennsylvania called Doug, uh, called Douglas and Shaner Farms. Um, and it was funny because when I had gone through and I walked out into the field and it was my real like, I, I, look, I've been a chef for a long time. I've experienced a tremendous amount, but I didn't really get into the responsibility of being a chef until about seven or eight years ago. I produced, I executed, I sold food, I did good food, but now I have more of a responsibility to people to serve a better quality of food, I think. Absolutely. Which may sound a little bit weird because it's not like I sold shit stuff before, but I didn't ser- I didn't sell the stuff that I really wanted to sell because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at that point it wasn't, it, it wasn't important 
two two people the way that it is now. But yep. I remember walking out on the field for that first time out into the pasture and listening to the story of how he rotated his um, his pastures every six weeks. So the cattle would be on one place for six weeks. They'd move along and then move along. It was just kind of neat. But as soon as I walked out into that first pasture and 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 the cattle just all started walking towards me. You know, they're walking over to me like, hey, what's up, dude? Like, who are you? You know, it's nice to me. And then little did he know that he was going to be on my menu in, in, you know, three weeks. But (laughs) but it was it was it was such an amazing experience to follow that whole thing. I'd love to hear more about like, uh, you know, maybe and when the summer starts coming around again, we hop back on. I'd love to know some of the stuff that you're doing with your garden. And that's called City Garden Center. The Civic Garden Center is a nonprofit. Yep. (laughs) Our garden is the Pendleton Community Garden. Okay. Because we yeah. are, we actually, so the neighborhood that I'm in is a very, we're, we're in the process of, um, you know, kind of, kind of regenerating the neighborhood, shall we say, in, in a mm-hmm. way, it was a really bad neighborhood for a long period of time. And now with everything that's happening, but we just found out there is a community garden about four blocks away from us. So we're actually going to a big meeting on Tuesday night. No, tomorrow night is the big meeting that we're going to. And we are going to be talking to the, all the farm, all the people that are out there because it's a community garden. You know, I want your herbs. I want that stuff. And one of the coolest things for me was I had to add an additional 16 by 8 foot walk-in outside wow. of my organic place because of the fact that the produce that I was bringing in, I, I mean, I was just, I was buying so much of it. And I was having so much fun that I would have farmers drop stuff off on a Tuesday and my guys would come in on their days off just to find the products and mm-hmm. see what they would do. I met a guy named Jack Nachampkin, who was a hoarder out of Pennsylvania, but he was he actually was a rocket scientist. But at the age of 16, he had a garden in the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. So think about this, you know, 16 and some of the most famous gardens in the world. And this guy has a plot there that he's working off of. And he has these, he had these, I, I documented the whole thing and I hope I can find the video somewhere because someday I'll post it. But he was talking about how he was growing these, these peppers, these Indian peppers that had this medicinal quality to it, that they were taking the capsaicin from it and they were actually putting it into bombs that they were using. And he stopped growing them. He was like the only guy in the country who was growing these peppers to be as potent as they could be. And he was using them in food and, and selling them to restaurants and stuff. But then the government got involved and he stopped doing it after that. He like he just stopped doing the whole thing. Oh, it was really kind of cool. Really, really cool guy. But he he used to have, sell me these things called beer pods and they were actually a radish pod. But he called them beer pods because he didn't know what they were called. And he would drink <laughs> beer while he picked them in the garden. He was a really, really cool guy. But but when you can I get love that. when you can, awesome. exactly when you can get down to that source of where the product is coming from and you have a conversation with somebody, it's amazing how much differently you treat that product itself yep, as opposed it's a to connection just placing that you have an order. You know, when they're calling me, I mean, my guys call me up and say, Hey, bro, I have this, 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 and this, what can you do with it? And I'm like, man, I've never even heard of that before. Bring it in. Let me see it. Let me play around with it. And as chefs, it makes us that much better. And, 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 and I kept saying it the whole time that we were in Vegas, it is time for us to start removing the box cutters from our chef's hands and put the knives back. You yep. know, I went to uh, I went to a U.S. food show about I guess about two years ago, and I love U.S. food, great company. I'm not trying to knock anybody, but my rep had said to me, "I want you to come. I have two new products that you have to check out." So I drive to Atlantic City, I go down, get all ready to go. I walk in, I go to the first thing in the show, and he brings me over to ready for this a vegan Bloody Mary mix. This was the product that they wanted me to see. 
was a vegan Bloody Mary mix. And I'm like, first off, come on, man. It's like tomato juice. Mm-hmm. Give me a break here. It, it's vegan no matter what we do with it anyway. It's not like we're mm-hmm. throwing bacon fat in there. And then the next product that he wanted me to see was, was, was riced cauliflower. And it hit me at that moment like we are no longer, we're, we're no longer being creative. Right. We don't, because you know what? I, I, the thing that scares me is the chefs that are coming up now that aren't in school. Not that you have to go to school by any means, because a lot of this comes from instinct and it comes from passion. And I can teach you how to cook, but I can't teach you how to love what it is that you do. But these chefs, they don't, you know, how do you make riced cauliflower? Well, I don't know. I open the bag, man. Yeah. You know, how many times have you heard it? Even the other day, like, well, I don't have a mandolin. How do you want me to julienne these carrots? Well, with a fucking knife. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's and, and my chef, my chef in my restaurant is actually a little bit older than I am, but he has that same mentality that I do where I walked in one day and they couldn't make the vinaigrette. If we do an agave lager vinaigrette because we're a beer house and the guy I said, why don't we have the, the, the agave lager vinaigrette? And he said, well, the Roboku's not working. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Get that fucking whisk I'm going. Like, really watch <laughs> this process. And and it was like, I was on a mission, man. Like I grabbed the bowl with a purpose and I grabbed a piano whisk because it incorporates more air into it. And I'm like yeah. trying to explain to this guy the way that it happens. But it, it's, it's scary it is. that we are just creating a world of cooks because one, most chefs aren't spending the time that they have to with their, with their staff. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me in my restaurant, it's very important to me that my chef and my sous chefs stop. And all I want them to do is one hour a week with one employee. Just take one hour, whether it's fry, pantry, grill, saute, pizza, prep, dish, it doesn't matter. Take one hour with that person and just show them. Watch them make it. Show them a different way. Let's talk about seasoning. Let's talk about the five different types of salts that we have in the restaurant. You know, let's talk about the difference between this onion and this onion. Let's talk like there's not enough. Instead, it's just go grab an onion. You know, go get me onions. And half the time these guys come back with, you know, they're coming back with a scallion. They're coming back with, you know, a a Vidalia. They're coming back with a Spanish and they're coming back with a red onion because all you said was onion. Right. You know, so so they don't really know the differences between those four onions and so if anybody's taking this little world that I'm talking about right now, spend time with your staff. And one of the things that I like about you so much is you are in the kitchen. Yeah. You are, you, you know, when that burger comes out, your stamp of approval is on it. How hard was it for you last week to be away? And were there any changes that you noticed when you got back? Or was there something that you might have seen that slacked off a little bit when you got back from being away for that long? You know, <clears throat> And I'm sure a lot, I I know a lot of people go through, you know, if they leave the kitchen, the kitchen falls. Um, I have honestly a really amazing team. I have a sous chef who that kitchen is just as much mine as it is his. Like we, this is this, and not just like as a, like my, even my line cooks, like we all this, everything there is our home. We're so close. And I'm sure that's a little cliche because all of us say we're very close, but really, I mean, we talk about everything with each other. So when, you know, I left besides administrative stuff, cause that's the stuff that I really take on. So of course my phone will be blowing up with emails and text messages of little things like that. But that, that place was still kicking. It, I mean, way. they, they do such a good job and I know that I can leave and it just be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My sous chef, Steve, he just, he kills it. And, 
And I'm getting ready to lose him. He is going on to our next place soon. Yes. Which, which we started I'm, to talk about. I know. And which I'm so happy, though. Like, he so deserves this. And this is like, we're both living our dreams. And which is funny because uh, he'll be right across the street from me, though. So right, right. Um, we're opening up. Uh, <clears throat> our company is opening up a brewery. Um, right across the street from Nation, um, but they're doing more of like a chicken takeout kind of concept, cool. whereas Nation is more. We actually started Nation as thinking we were just going to be a bar that served a few beers. Right. So the first three months were the most rockiest three months I think I've ever seen ever of trying to. We had like a huge identity crisis of Did trying to figure out. Did your GM go to jail? No, no okay. you went on just, that one. Just checking. Just <laughs> you, checking. Your stories, if I ever have a bad day or a situation, <laughs> I'm just going to call you and be like, you need to tell me a story and then I'll feel so much better. <laughs> pretty excited about that. That is insane. Oh. No, no GM has gone to jail, luckily. I have had to bail a cook out of jail and well, I made exactly That's like a work. given. That's a given. Oh, yeah. That's oh, okay. That's well, that was automatic. new for me. <laughs> well, you know, here's, here's the funny one. So I opened a property up in Tampa for clients and they are they were a movie theater. They were a full-fledged movie theater and they like with one of the the craziest meaning meaning legal and compliant HR departments that I've ever come in contact with. And a restaurant in its own is an HR nightmare. A restaurant <laughs> with a kitchen is is HR hell. Seventy-five percent of the kitchen was not allowed to work because they did not pass a background check. Oh my gosh. So they hired all of these people to come in and work in a kitchen. And when I got down there to do my, before I open a restaurant, I do a whole culture class. I talk about why we're in it. I talk about nuts, non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards. And I go through all this. I had like seven people in my class because none of them were allowed to work because they had all <laughs> been in jail. They were DUIs. They were protection from abuses. There were oh. violations across the board. So, so that's kind of a, a, kind of a given thing, but so now what is your, have you picked a new sous chef? Nope. I've not. Um, we're still like eight, 10 months down the road until oh, this okay. new place so opens up. Time. I mean, it's being built right now. So we're just kind of doing our thing and, um, you know, I don't even know. We haven't quite decided if we're really going to need, like I have two guys who are like my leaders in the kitchen when my Sue and I are not there that Honestly, I think the three of us could just rock it out. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was, like I said, like we were in an identity crisis. We thought we were going to be doing a thousand burgers a week. And now we're doing like close to 5,000 burgers a week. So <laughs> it's just something, you know, like the, the community really like shame on my kitchen staff for making such killer fucking food. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. was like. Yeah. You know, like we just really did. You know, and that's the whole, con that's what I wanted out of this place. Like, yeah, we're like, or I'm a burger chef. I flip burgers for a living, but God, we like such damn good burgers. I mean, yeah. like really that's what it's about. That's the good quality meat that we get from the butcher. That's right down the street. Who's amazing. Avril Blaze. I absolutely love and adore them. And the cool thing is each person that we use that we have, you know, relationships with our vendors they have just as much passion about what they're giving us as we have, you know, like that's, what's so cool about this. Like yeah. that's, what's cool about, yeah, we're just a burger joint, but those hollow buns that we get for our buns, like the per that, like the person the that's making it, he loves making them, you know? And yeah. Did I, just, 
did did I show you the video? You know, Panini and I were out there and and we talked about Hodad. Did did we not with you, Mike Harden, who owned Hodads in San Diego, the burger spot? No. So remind me, just just remind me, but I have to send you a video of there was a guy, his name's Hodad, his name's Mike Harden, and he owned he's a he's a good friend of ours. He was a mess lord and um he was like an original diners, drive-ins and dives guy from way back in the day. He was one of the first guys that were on the show with go with Guy Fietti and all that stuff. But he became he became a part of the Mess Lords. I got invited into the Mess Lords, which uh, was really pretty awesome. And uh, I met the Hodad, Mike Harden, and he was he's a burger chef, and and he doesn't even call himself a chef. But I have mm-hmm. to send you a video of him just talking about how he puts his burgers together, and it's it is it is like a seven minute video, and all he does is he makes burgers, and that's what it is. But I the passion it. and the pride that goes into every single one from how thick he slices the onions to the way that he puts the onions on the burger to the way that the lettuce goes on to the fact that the tomato, go, the ketchup goes on top of the onions because it drizzles through and the juice all drips through mm-hmm. that. And, and it's there's just such a passion behind that, that it's so nice to see across the board from from the guy from the group of people that we all hung out with this week that all have that same passion. And it's funny because mm-hmm. you just said it like I'm a burger chef. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. So. That is what I do. So what is so your you, you, what are your what are your plans for the next five years? Which is a huge, huge, uh, huge, huge thing. Because in reality, yeah. how old your daughter? Seven. She's seven. Yeah. She's seven. So a lot of your next five years have to get to the point of you putting that seven year old to become a twelve year old. I know. You know, she's she's already in the kitchen with me. I'm already putting her to work. I love the video. You sent the picture of her sitting in there the other day, hanging out in the car seat in the middle of the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, I put a nation shirt on her and a bandana and I taught her how to brand some buns. That's <laughs> like, it. That's it. You know, yeah. That's so funny. Um, gosh, the five year plan. Honestly, I this is, I think, the first time in my life, which I know I'm not that old. But um, <laughs> the first time in my life, I don't think I've actually had a five-year plan. Like I'm, I've always been in the situation where it's like, you know, I started, I started having having to grow up very young. Right. Um, you know, I I graduated high school a year early. I moved out really early. Um, I obviously had my daughter really early. Um, I just did everything a lot earlier than you know what maybe I don't even know what the normal is anymore, but what most people I, I don't do. think anybody knows what the normal is anymore. <laughs> exactly. Because it changes so, so fast. Um, I have like, when I sit back and I think like what I've done in the last 10 years or seven years, just my daughter being around, like I've just, I'm so, um, I mean, honestly, I'm, I can honestly say I'm so proud of myself that I have had so many obstacles come my way. And I've had such an amazing support system with my family that has allowed me to live out my dreams and really push me to be like, you're not going to fail. So let's go on to plan B and then plan B works and so on and so forth. So like I've always had a five year goal of like, all right, I'm going to school and then I'm going to graduate and then I'm, you know, like I've just always had this, but it's never worked out. You know, whatever plan you've ever put in place. It's just, yeah, it never yeah. works out. Plan A is plan I'm in, B. The, I'm in this like awesome part of my life where I am seriously taking each day, each week. And I, I don't look much further than that. You know, like I really am enjoying honestly living in the moment and all these awesome opportunities that just keep coming my way. So my five-year plan, I honestly, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I might still be at nation and we may have 10 nations at that point. And 
I may be having my own place. I don't even know what that would be. Like I may switch and go back to pastries one day. I have no idea. I may have a family. I have no idea. Like these are just things that, um, for the first time I've not had a five-year plan because Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm so happy. Like I'm so happy that I don't really need to like, not that I don't need to set goals for myself. I have goals. uh, I set daily goals for myself, (laughs) but, um, I'm really just like enjoying this ride. I've had, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that every opportunity that comes your way isn't necessarily the right opportunity and not to jump at every single thing that comes my way. I've had really amazing opportunities. Just a couple weeks ago, I, I was offered like out of the blue to be a partner in a really successful bakery that's opening or that opened. And, um, you know, that's, that's such an amazing opportunity, but like where I'm at right now, I'm so happy and where my life is going, where I see it going with opportunities and people I'm meeting and what I'm experiencing. And, um, the fact that my daughter gets to be a part of all of that. Um, I'm just, I I just don't really, I guess I don't have a five-year plan. What, what is the, weren't you just invited into, are you doing something with women chefs? Uh, so I am partnered up with this super awesome, amazing person. Um, and we are doing a, um, a female chef, uh, how do I explain it? Event here in Cincinnati. So, um, in Cincinnati on June 11th, we are doing this five course dinner paired, um, with, uh, local cocktails and beers all made by women. So 10 female chefs, all female mixologists, female brewers. I mean, just so much femaleness going on everywhere. And it's, <laughs> and it's like not really to be like, oh, yeah, we are female here. Here's roar. It's more like, damn, we've got some killer talent, like female industry talent in this in this city. And let's get together and celebrate all the awesome stuff we're doing. And then the proceeds are doing are going to um, La Soup, which is a nonprofit here in Cincinnati. I told you about them there. It's so amazing. It's run by Susie, and she um, was she's a chef who you know realized that we have this issue of food going bad, or there's just too much food. We have too much food in the restaurant that it's it's going to go bad. So what do we do with it? So what she does is she rescues food from restaurants, from uh, grocery stores, from farmers that you know, we, they have too much of, or that's about to go bad. And she turns them into soups and sells them or gives them away actually to, you know, families in need. And so, yeah. And you know, we're, that's what we're, our event is. We're calling it La Supla Hoopla. La Supla Hoopla. Yes. That's the event. So I will give you so much more details when they come. That's all right. So it's June 11th. Yep. And where is it going to be held? Um, I don't even, it, cannot remember the venue space. We just locked the venue space and it's something I'd never heard of. Um, uh, God, my, my girl that I'm partnering up with, her name's Catherine. She's, she got it. And it's amazing. It's like this old, uh, Bootsy Collins restaurant, um, above Nicholson's downtown in Cincinnati. And it's, it's amazing. And they're giving us like everything we have is being donated. All the food we're doing is going to be rescued food. Everyone's time, the venue space is being donated. Like everyone just wants to be a part of this. It's, cool. And that's, that's the amazing thing about the community aspect of all this, of like industry and community. I mean, they, it, they're, they're all one, you know? Nice. So I'm so excited for that. Well, I, you, you had said something about, uh, 
about uh, goals that you set for yourself every single day. <clears throat> Did I talk to you about the best self self journal? No. Okay, so I have to send you one. It's my new favorite thing. And it's a 13-week journal. It doesn't have to be a 13-week journal. You can take it as long as you want. You can do whatever you want with it. But it's literally, it's, it's about waking up in the morning and taking five minutes and writing down your goals for the day. Things that you're proud of, things that you want to accomplish. You're, it has a calendar on it. It actually has a, a like a timeline through it of six o'clock until nine o'clock. And the whole idea is to fill up that time with things that you want to get done or things you want to accomplish. And, and it's not about crossing them off. It's about having them there and having them visible. But the coolest thing about it is writing down three things that you like or that you're proud of or that you want to get done every single day. And hold one second. Hold on. Because I have to pull mine out. Because I want you to, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to share it with you. So I'm going to send you one of these. All right. But it's really cool. You can see it in front of you. This is my leather bound best self journal. And it literally breaks it down into days. So you can do it as weeks. You can do it across the board. But here's like, uh, um, this morning I'm grateful for, and you can just write in things that you're grateful for three things that you start your day off with a very positive things. Then you have your goals, what your, what your goal is for the day. And then it goes into targets, tasks that move you closer to your goals. It's just a really neat thing. And it's five minutes a day. Do with it as you please, but I'm going to send you a copy of one. Um, I, not, I don't get anything from them. That's not what this is about. It's just a really cool thing. And with you talking about writing, getting your goals on a daily basis. So. Yeah, um, I would love right. that. So now comes the uh, the last bit of this because we've been talking for an hour. Mm. And I have to go pick my daughters up. And Might your daughter's well. coming home soon. Yep. Okay. So what? Um, one moment in a kitchen that stands out. And this is a really tough question. One moment in a kitchen that stands out more than any other. What was it? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. There's so many. Everybody does that um, same thing. And they hate when I ask them because they have to sit and think about it. Yes. All right. So it's not it. The, the moment is a week long <laughs> and it's called burger week here in Cincinnati. And we know it all, all of us that participate, we like, don't talk about it. It's like an, a, a rule that no one talks about it after it happened because it's, it's just burger hell for us, but it's amazing <laughs> for everyone else. So uh, Burger Week basically in Cincinnati is everybody, every restaurant that participates. There's around like 50 plus restaurants that participate. Um, Cincinnati's kind of been known as a little, we're now like a burger town. Um, so right. there's a lot of burger joints. Um, we all make a burger for $5 and everybody comes in and tries and they have like a burger pass and they get a big prize if how many burgers they've tried and da 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 da. So... Uh, burger week <laughs> is one of those things where you work, uh, a hundred hours in that week. All of us are, um, and we want to strangle each other at some point in the day. <laughs> and then at the end of it though, like, that's the best part. So the last, this last year, <clears throat> I cannot remember. I think we sold, uh, I think we sold like 6,000 burgers that week. Oh my God. 6,000 $5 burgers. Yes. And, and, and are these like, are they a five ounce burger? Is it a seven it's ounce? Our rec- it's so your regular always, burger. It's our regular. So we'll pick one burger and the burger that we chose is our, is now our nation. It's our house burger, uh, brisket blend patties, smoked cheddar cheese, whiskey, barbecue sauce, onion straws, horseradish, aioli, all in a hollabun. Like it's, it's a killer burger. Sounds a great. lot of, lot of prep that goes sure. into it. Yeah. So now we've learned like, let's go simple for this year. Um, 
But anyway, so at the end of this, when we're all tired and so exhausted, and the best part of all this is um, the last night, we closed the kitchen down, nine o'clock of the, you know, Sunday night, kitchen closed at nine, bust open the beers. My sous chef and I, like, <laughs> we were just at the point where, like, we told everybody, if you need to find us, we will be under a bar at some point. <laughs> and we walked into the bar, got two shots of uh, Jameson each and a two, I think we got two tall boys of Budweiser and slammed them. And Crushed. just like that, that week, you know, like that week of just, um, just things that you, you just don't think you're going to make it, you know? And then like all of us just kind of like helping each other out, like front of house and back of house, that teamwork of front of house coming back. Like, Hey guys, like, do you need water? Do you guys need anything? We were ordering pizza. Like I ordered Papa John's <laughs> and like on burger week, we eat Papa John's because sure. we're not making ourselves anything, you know, like it's just go, go, go like burger patty galore on the grill. Um, you know, our grease trap overflowing because we're going through so much shit. And it's just like, a recipe of disaster that is so much fun at the same time. It's like so stressful, but just an absolute blast all at once. That's awesome. Those are the great things. I love it. It really is. It's just like once you're done and you overcome it and you're just like, hell yeah. Like everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Yes. Everybody has that same stress. Everybody (laughs) has that same world. I think my last one, my favorite memory, this happened a uh, day before Christmas Eve. I, and it was so funny. Like I got, I was the first in the restaurant and I was in the Christmassy spiritual mood. And I took a picture of the kitchen and no one else was there. I took a picture and I wrote this long sappy uh, post of basically like, this is family. This is what it's all about. Like the days here, they suck. And then they're so great at the same time. Like yeah. they're hard, they're long hours, blood, sweat, and tears, blah, 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 blah. So I, I sent this post and I'm feeling great. And I walk in my kitchen to turn all my equipment and I realize my low boy is like warm. And I'm like, what? Okay. I realized that the entire like power went out and all of my food on oh, my low boy. And we were just getting ready to close the next day. So we didn't do as much prep. We only did enough prep to last for that day. Cause we were going right. to close for two days. All gone. I tempted. It was all at like 70 degrees. It was just bad and so um my my team comes in at 10 this was like i realized this at like a quarter to nine my team comes in at 10 we open at 11 and i'm like i I don't even know what the fuck we're gonna do like we're out of (laughs) everything we are out of every single thing every i mean we are a um everything's made in house all of our sauces are made from scratch everything is made in house um besides obviously our meat and our buns and and so I, uh, it, it just the teamwork right there that happened from the front of house coming in and slicing pickles and onions and everybody else like making, like washing all these dishes, throwing out all this food, like mm-hmm. just all that, that teamwork that we had in one hour. I seriously did not think we were going to open up for lunch. I was awesome. like in my mind, I was like, this isn't going to happen. And then it happened. And just that we overcame like all the obstacles that happened that day and we did it as teamwork. That's that the way, way it goes. That's yeah, what that's I love. When everybody pulls together at that moment and when you realize, oh, shit, what am I going to do? You know, And then you just to, do it. I had, a, I had a sous chef once who uh, uh, who closed a restaurant. I was the, the exec at a place called McCormick and Schmicks in Philadelphia. It was a five and a half million dollar a year restaurant. And he, uh, uh, I walked in the next morning at like seven o'clock and, I'm, and there's this smell. What the hell is the smell? Well, all of the food got stuck in the elevator. 
Oh, no. And the worst part about it is if he would have just walked around to the elevator, the control room and pressed one button that was blinking, everything would have been fine. But instead of a phone call, instead of a 911, I don't even know, you know, text or whatever it was, he just wrote in the manager log, elevator went down. Uh, must call somebody never said anything to anybody about all of the food, food is in that elevator <laughs> yeah and this was a, like i said a five and a half million dollar restaurant it was pretty horrific so but all right you have to get your daughter i've got to go I get do. my daughter so what i want you to do is tell everybody how we can find you where we can find you and all that good stuff yes yeah, so you can find me uh on instagram because that's kind of basically the only social media i use uh commander in beef and that's N, that's C-O-M-M-A-N-D-E-R-N, beef. Yep. Okay. And where's your Commander restaurant? Commander and beef. It is in Cincinnati, Ohio, Nation Kitchen and Bar. So please stop in and say hello. I'm basically always there. I love I love meeting everyone. I love hearing everyone's um, opinions about everything when it comes to our menu and just yeah. seeing how everyone's life is, you know, like I love meeting new people. So everybody so do me a favor. Ahead. Go in, say hello to Kayla. Kayla, thank you so much for taking time with me. Thank I know you. it's been a crazy couple of weeks and you were out of the restaurant and to take an hour and a half out of your life to come and sit with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate last week. You were awesome. I loved having you out there. I'm glad um, with the friendship that we've gotten over the last, you know, the last week and a half. Um, it's really mm-hmm. important to me. And uh, we are not done. We have a whole lifetime of fun shit that we get to do together. And I cannot <laughs> wait to see you again for a little shoulder shuffle and yes. uh, all that shimmy, good shimmy. stuff. Shimmy, shimmy. <laughs> so uh, everybody do me a favor. Thank you. Please go into Cincinnati and check Kayla out. Check out her property down there at the Nation Kitchen and Bar. Um, follow her on Instagram so you can see the great stuff that she puts up. And uh, thank you, dear. I appreciate you. And thank I you. cannot wait to see you again. So thanks we'll a lot. We'll see each other soon. I told you guys that you were gonna love her. Isn't she awesome? Such a great spirit. So much fun. Such a cool chick. Um, super fun. We we really just had an awesome time when we were out there in Vegas. We hardly even touched on some of the other stuff, and I really honestly believe one of the reasons why is because we're just so goddamn exhausted from being out there for an entire week. Uh, you you guys can hear it in my voice. My voice still has not been the same since. You know, I mean, we did three demos, man. Or I did. We did eight demos over. Um, over a uh, tremendous amount of time. You know, we did. We did. I'm sorry. We did eight demos over two days. We we served over four thousand people pieces of food over those two days with with you know culinary students from Johnson and Wales and all these chefs who just hung out. I mean, we had six chefs that were on site for three days straight um, who just worked their asses off. You know, we who just who just busted it the entire time humped it the whole way and delegated and organized. And it was really just an amazing week. I'm really, really glad that I was able to get involved. And like I keep saying, I'm really glad that my guys were able to get involved in it as well. These are my friends. These are not just people that are that run kitchens that I've met along the way. These are actual friends of mine. So I'm really stoked about that. Um, I hope that, uh, I hope you guys all have a great week. And um, I've got another uh, couple of things coming up over the next couple of weeks that are going to be a lot of fun as well. I'm actually going to interview every chef that was out there for nightclub and bar uh, with me. We're going to do just like a 15 minute segment with each guy. So you guys can hear it Um, next week on the show. I have uh, uh, some, some fun guests that I think you guys are going to like. I'm trying to switch it up a little bit. I know I keep talking to chefs and doing the hospitality thing and, but guess what? It's what I know. It's where I come from. It's where I've been. Um, So I try to share that information with you guys because I love the fact that these chefs are uh, are as as animated and and as exciting as they are. So 
Uh, next week, we're going to have a couple of the chefs. I'm going to try to do one interview over the next seven weeks with each chef that did a, a demo out there, kind of see what their thoughts were on each each uh, each little aspect of it and, and what their thoughts are moving forward. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this week's show with Kayla Robeson. Um, again, let's talk about um, getting into our kitchens and getting into our restaurants and getting to our businesses and talking about the culture. Um, it, it is your business. It is your business. This is show business, my friends, not show friends. So what we need to do is make sure that our staff, our people, our employees that work for us understand what our culture is. That comes from a mission statement, comes from your core values, and it comes with the whole mindset of exceeding the guest expectations. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening to me this week on Duffified Live. I have a couple of people that I like to thank every week as well. I definitely have to thank my buddies, Jason and Jerry down there at uh, RadioInfluence.com um, for putting up with me uh, late nights, uh, putting up with my... Uh, shenanigans of stuff that I do while I'm on the road and sending them my podcasts exceptionally late. So uh, thank you very much, RadioInfluence.com. They have a tremendous amount of shows that are on their, uh, you know, that are under their umbrella that they produce and that they oversee. Um, so I hope you guys can check out some of their podcasts as well. Um, I have to sh- thank uh, my friend Michelle out there at Techno Solutions for doing all that she does for me, my websites, uh, putting everything together. My vision, she understands. Uh, I, I give her a couple tidbits, a couple pieces, a couple things to bite on, and she comes out with some amazing products. So, um, you know, my last graphic design that she did for my logo for my company, Duffified Experience Group, um, I absolutely love. I love seeing it out at nightclub and bar. I love seeing it on things. So, Michelle, uh, thank you so much. Not only does she do graphic design and websites, she also fixes your computers if you live out there in Breeze. Um, uh, Maggie Gagliardi. Uh, the amazing woman who does all of the illustrations for our show. Every single week she comes up with a new illustration and every single week she crushes it. Uh, this week she gets to do Kayla. Uh, she did a Kathy Suzwitz for me on a last one. Uh, she's going to do Michelle Feaster on one of our next ones. Uh, she's done everybody that we've interviewed. So Maggie Gagliardi, if you guys get an opportunity, find her on Instagram. She is Magzart, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. She is tremendous uh, at her craft. I love what she does. She's also a uh, uh, an art instructor, um, an illustrator. She does really, really neat stuff. So check her out. Um, my company. I got to plug my own company, man. What do you expect? We're going to talk about Duffified Experience Group. Um, Duffified is about uh, never saying no. It's about going above and beyond. It's about doing something bigger and better than anybody else will. It's about having fun. It's about experiencing life, and it's about exceeding the expectations of the guests and the people that come into our lives. If you can take one experience and you can share that with somebody, you just change their life. Maybe not in a big grandiose way, but you know what? For them to step back and say, man, I had a great time in Vegas. You know, that's something that I want from people. I want them to kind of share the things that I do. So that's where Duffified Experience Group comes into. Uh, My company is full service. We do everything from menus to organization to financials to planning to or to to setting up the standards and, and uh, systems and organization that you need within your restaurant, or your hospitality group, whatever it is. I also do menus and I do muse sessions where I sit down with chefs and creative sessions and we go through some fun stuff. So um, I'm going to put this out there again. I am looking to do a property in the uh, um, Greenland, Iceland, Newfoundland, uh, something like that. It's a place I've never been. It's something that I want to experience. So I am willing to uh, discount my fees tremendously um, to get up there uh, and work on something with you guys to do something really neat. It's a place I've never been. Um, Every now and then I throw this out there. So if you know anybody up there, if you have people up there that are listening to this, let them know that I want to come up and have some fun and play with them. All right. So Duffified Experience Group is my company. You can reach out to me directly at 
chefbrianduffy.com or duffifiedexperiencegroup.com. That's the place to go. My restaurant, Flying Fish Craft House, taking the amazing world of Flying Fish beers from New Jersey, pairing that up with some of the fun food that I get to do with my staff and my amazing chef who works within the restaurant. His name is Theo Atkinson. I have to thank you guys as well. Flying Fish Craft House is located at 1363 North Broad Street in Phil, or not North Broad, North 31st. 31st? Yeah, 1363 North 31st in Philadelphia. Check us out at ffcrafthouse.com. Social media. You guys already follow me if you're listening to this show, but definitely hop out there and follow Duffified Live on Twitter. We post stuff every now and then. If you want to follow me directly, I am Chef Bride Duff, C-H-E-F-B-R-I-D-U-F-F on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely send me a message. I love to talk to you guys. You want to have a little convo? Feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. That is Chef Brian Duffy. On Facebook, I try to reply to people as much as I can. I love the messages that you guys send. You want to get something to me? You have a question? You want to do something fun? It's very simple. That's hashtag Ask Duff. I will do whatever I can to make sure that I get your questions answered. Thank you guys so much for listening to me. Thanks so much. Get out there. Get to iTunes. Get to Stitcher. Get to RadioInfluence.com. Tell all of your friends about this show. We want to blow it up as big as as big as we possibly can. Thanks, guys. Have an awesome week. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is a dangerous conversation with Scott Ledger, Quick Fix, on Radio Influence. Uh, my daughter's expecting her baby right around six weeks from now. Yeah, Grandpa Ledge. I can't wait. I am having a granddaughter. My daughter and her husband have not decided on a name yet. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Like the last second? Like you're like pushing? Let's call the baby. Oh, shit. Oh, shit's not an acceptable name. Sorry. Unless it's shithead. Steve Martin's dog and the jerk. <clears throat> so my daughter uh, and her husband, Wally, haven't decided. You know, like, pfft. you know, uh, clock's ticking here. I'm like, you know, you know, uh, you know what? They're going to have a reveal. See, that's the difference between old times and new times, everything. And I don't tease my daughter about it, but it is kind of like, okay, everything's an announcement now, you know, when. Well, they already knew. They didn't know what the girl, the sex of their baby was going to be. They opened it up on Christmas Eve. They do the ultrasound, and then they put it in an envelope like it's the fucking Oscars. It was awesome. You know, it was Christmas Eve. They're in love with each other. They're expecting their first child. They don't even know what they're going to have. And they literally open an envelope that is a present. But these reveals, you know, there are people that charge money. Uh, my ex does photography for, you know, pregnant moms and stuff. And uh, the, the whole idea of having a baby is an industry in itself, not just diapers and buying things and all that kind of stuff. No, no, it is announcements and pictures and ultrasounds and tick, 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 the clock is ticking. Is my granddaughter going to have a fucking name? Come on. <clears throat> I picture my daughter in the stirrups. Now, I don't picture my daughter in the stirrups, but just, and you don't either. If you're picturing my daughter in stirrups right now, fuck you. Um, but you know, one more big push. What's her name? Ah, shit. 
I don't know if we can fit that on the birth certificate. That's a lot of letters. Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.